Welcome to the Sports on Point podcast, episode 32. I am your host, Matthew Smith, joined on the line, as always, by the phenom, Mr. Robert Williams. My streak's still going. How about you, Brett Favre? And, of course, the guy pressing the buttons, Mr. Pod Severance. I took a laxative today. That's fantastic, Pod. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. It's been a, a week. It has been a week. It has been a week, and you know what? We're going to talk about it. That's what we do best. That is so what what's, we do. what's going on in sports this week, fellas? There's this living, breathing train wreck that is going on down in New Orleans with the, uh, with the Hornets. Um, the team kind of in tor- turmoil as they've been purchased by the NBA. Um, they've, they've, they've kind of fallen off the map as far as their play on the court as well. I think that uh, I think there's certainly a certain amount of expectations that you have to have when a team is going through these types of changes that their their play would suffer to some extent. It's like uh, you know, essentially playing, uh, you know, working your day-to-day job with no uh, with no vision, no leadership uh, at the helm. So it's uh, it's not necessarily surprising. But this is a Hornets team that started off what eleven and one, and have since dropped like nine out of their last twelve. Uh, is there uh, is there any future for this team uh, this season? Are they going to get back to their winning ways? Uh, I don't know about that. This might be them coming back to reality. We all know that Chris Paul is one of the top three point guards in the league, and he can only carry his team so much. Uh, it seems like in the past few games they're they're running into problems with with being able to score, uh, which has sort of always been a, a concern uh, with them, or even their defense in the, in the case of like the New York Nick game or the uh, San Antonio game where they just couldn't pull it together. I don't think this team, as it's built right now, is where it needs to be in order to be that 11-1 and team. I, I think it was just a, a hot start, and this is them coming back to reality. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, ultimately, the, the hot streak that they had at the beginning of the season has to be pegged down a lot on Chris Paul and uh, David West, of course, playing above and beyond their uh, – their their general their general gameplay and uh, yeah ultimately they have to come back to the ground when they're losing these types of heartbreakers to teams like Los Angeles um, you know they lost to a Knicks team that's streaking against very bad teams uh, the horn uh, the 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 Philadelphia game losing by eighteen um, to Philadelphia of course on the road it's it's just not something that you expect from a team that uh, is go- is going to be a contender. Yeah, sure. Um, when you look back at the 96 Bulls, they had some bad losses against some bad teams, uh, but they only had 12 of them, and they've they managed to knock out nine in just a few short weeks. I think it's pretty much done for this team this year. They've come back to the pack. They've, they've become the team that everyone kind of expected of them at the beginning of the season, so that's not a big surprise. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the ownership situation that's going on there. As everybody should know by now, the NBA has a has acquired the New Orleans Hornets from George Shin, their previous owner. Nobody in New Orleans overly disappointed about that matter. Um, some rumors going around that George Shin actually contacted uh, David Stern to ask him to take over the team because when his original sale plan fell through to a gentleman by the name of Cohest, I believe is how you pronounce it, um, who planned on keeping the team in New Orleans. 
Uh, all the suitors looked like play, uh, people that were planning on moving the team out, and George Shin did not want to be the guy who sold the team to an owner who wanted to move them out of town. He didn't want to be that guy, and I think that's understandable. Um, is 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 the NBA going to be able to avoid that, though, by selling it to the NBA? Is this team going to be able to stay in New Orleans? Well, if we're looking into the past and looking at uh, and any of the other uh, teams, especially recently, that have been owned by a professional league, you can look immediately to the Montreal Expos. And, uh, yeah, they got moved. So it, it is going to be interesting to see what type of group uh, that can actually put a, uh, together another offer to possibly keep this team in New Orleans. Um, but like we mentioned last week, they do have Anaheim, Kansas City, Las Vegas, Seattle, all as opportunities for, for this organization to possibly move to. And if, if anybody uh, has actually no room to talk, it is going to be George Shin because it's the same guy who ripped this organization from the fans in Charlotte. So yeah. I, I don't know if he's the best judge of character on, on who's going to, <laughs> to to be able to keep that team. But, but thankfully... He's no longer in charge. Doesn't matter, and and hopefully the NBA gets this resolved quickly and with the least amount of drama as possible. Let's talk about let's talk about some of the places that uh, are being kicked around here. Uh, Kansas City, of course, one of the one of the big city names that's being thrown around. Um, Kansas City as a as a city has struggled to fill. Um, arenas when the Royals uh, are playing, and and even sometimes when the Chiefs are not uh, are not playing successfully, there's there's been known to be several uh, uh, several empty seats, so to speak, in Arrowhead Stadium. Is I'm not sure I'm not sure that Kansas City is a team that needs another professional sports team. I think that when you talk about Kansas City, you're looking at a team that's similar to New Orleans. That you know you may be moving them and into another town where they're going to continue to hemorrhage money like they have been the past three years in New Orleans. So I'm not really buying Kansas City. Of course, Seattle being thrown around a lot, uh, a lot of money there. Uh, Steve Ballmer supposedly from Microsoft interested in purchasing the team. Anaheim to me seems a little bit goofy. If you want to move a team to Anaheim, why not just take the Clippers there? Because, well, they 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 make some money in Los Angeles, but they're always second fiddle. Move them out of town, not far out of town. Move them to Anaheim and you know give them their own fan base so that they can kind of set themselves apart a little bit. Uh, I don't I don't really understand moving the Hornets to Anaheim. Uh, ESPN was even throwing around Chicago as a potential spot. Um, uh, as if maybe Chicago is a city that can that can support two basketball teams. I don't I don't really know how I feel about that one either. Yeah, no, it, it, it's actually quite interesting. All of, out of all of these uh, cities that that we've been hearing about or that Matt just talked about, it's going to be an uphill battle with any of these because they're not a traditional market. I, I guess other than possibly Seattle, who had a team, and then the Chicago one just seems very outlandish. I know they have two baseball teams, but with the Bulls, it's kind of hit or miss, and and, and it's going to come back to who owns them because, you know, a lot of the flack has been like Jerry Reinsdorf uh, up there. So it, it's just going to be an interesting uh, thing to actually sit down and watch watch it all unfold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some other new things going on in the world of sports. we got a couple of new hires in the world of college football with, of course, Al Golden going to the Miami Hurricanes as their new head coach. And Will Muschamp 
becoming the new head coach for the University of Florida Gators after, of course, the surprise resignation of Urban Meyer. Um, Al Golden to me seems like a bit of a stretch. I, if I'm if I'm a if I'm a Miami fan and Miami booster, I'm not sure that what he did at the University of Temple is enough to really persuade me into thinking that this guy is the savior of my program. No, you're definitely right there, especially since the Miami alumni is a smaller, more tight knit group. This is not the home run answer that they were looking for. Uh, it's tough to predict any of these guys coming out of the Mac uh, because of the competition level. So there's always a little bit of a learning curve. I think Al Golden's a solid coach. He did a really well job at Temple. It's going to be interesting to see how he relates to some of these players down in, in South Florida. So I, I, for me personally, I think they should have possibly, one, went with a bigger name or to someone who was known in the area. Now, the one thing I think is a little bit funny is, you know, Al Golden in his career at Temple, um, he was started off 1-11, went 4-8, and 5-7, 9-4, and then 8-4. and four. So he's, his last two seasons, he's, uh, he's finished with four losses. The year before that, it was 7-8-11. Um, definitely a, a career record that's less than ideal, 27-34. and 34. Uh, Randy Shannon lost five games this year. So you're, when you're looking at Al Golden, you're looking at a guy whose career best is one less loss than Randy Shannon had playing in a weaker conference. I'm not really sure where that one, where, they, where they're hoping that one's going to go. Again, you, you got to look traditionally at a, at a Temple program. This is similar to Turner Gill, who, who uh, moved up from uh, Buffalo and then same with Brady Hoke, who it seemed like he made a lateral move going from Ball State to San Diego State, but he's one of the top new named guys out there that, that's going to be from a mid-major going to possibly a, a higher-up program. So I, I don't think it's a, a horrible decision, but it, it's not the splash that they needed at, down at Miami. You know what? I'm going to step out on the limb because I actually do think it's a horrible decision. But uh, ultimately, you know, we can we can sit there and we can argue back and forth. But time's what's going to tell, and uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I, I definitely think that the University of Florida got much better of a home run swing when they were able to land Will Muschamp, the of course defensive coordinator from the University of Texas, and of course the heir apparent to Mac Brown at Texas. So it was quite a bit of uh, a coup for them to to get Will Muschamp into uh, into their athletic program. Yeah, this this is kind of funny because of the whole coach and waiting thing that uh, has kind of sprung up in in the past few years. We saw it with Jimbo Fisher. It looked like it was going to happen here in this case with Muschamp, but he found greener pastures. You know, when when a Florida program who who has been one of the better programs in the past 10 to 15 years comes calling. How long do you wait for, for a job? You know, you, that, you, you can't say no to that. Definitely. Yeah. And Will Muschamp, I think has a, has a big enough name that he'll be able to draw a lot of top assistants into the university of Florida with him. Not that the university of Florida's name in and of itself isn't good enough, but you know, he's, uh, he's coached under Nick Saban He's uh, he's led an incredible defense on the 2006 Auburn team, as well as the amazing defenses that he had at the University of Texas. So he's got a pedigree for winning. And this is the kind of guy that you're going out there to get when you're making these big hires. Uh, apparently, 
Um, apparently, the University of Miami could look a little bit northwest at their uh, in-state counterpart of the, of the of the Florida Gators to figure out, you know, how to swing for the fences. Yeah, but I, I think the winner out of out of Florida out of all this is definitely going to be Florida State. The fact that Jimbo Fisher's there, that he had a, a decent year this year, uh, something to build on. Uh, and then also you, you have the USF and UCF, the, the smaller programs who are, are definitely becoming a more viable option uh, here down in Florida. I, I think probably the most interesting thing other than that would be Gus Malzahn leaving Auburn to go to, to Vanderbilt. I had actually heard that he turned that one down. Did he? Maybe, maybe I was yeah, a little preemptive. Yeah, there was there was some reports coming out earlier this week that he was going to accept a job, and then there was a report a little bit later on where he indicated that he was very very heavily leaning towards taking the job, but ended up turning it down. Yeah, no. Sports ESPN Auburn Tigers offensive coordinator Gus Malzahn snubs Vanderbilt. Yes, so Gus Malzahn is maintaining uh, his position at the University of Auburn. Yeah, I was I was just going to comment on the fact that I pulled an ESPN and was reporting a little too premature. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, hey, if they weren't doing it first, then we wouldn't even know to do it now. So that's kind of the way things go. I learned it from watching you. <laughs> uh, so you know, we of course uh, we of course we made it this far into the week without making even uh, a mention. Since we're on the subject of football, Brett Favre's streak at 297 consecutive starts came to an end on Monday night when Aww. he was not able to make the start. Um, just, just quick poll of the of the cast members of the Sports on Point co- podcast. Do we care? If this was three years ago, maybe. Yeah, if it was 1943 when Brett Favre was good, then maybe. Yep, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, the the headline on USA Today says it ends at 2.97, and you know what? I could not care less. His life? No, 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 no. We could not be that lucky. No, I was gonna say his his life in football probably end at 297 years of age. <laughs> yeah, you could be right. You could be right. That'll be that'll be the day he retires. I don't know. All of these, all the stuff that's been going on, I would really, really, really be surprised to see Brett Favre suited up for anybody next year. I think uh, I think the bell has finally tolled for Mr. Favre. Yeah, and and hopefully hopefully he does just call it quits. Okay, so uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on in the Major League Baseball ranks in the winter meetings going on. Lots of trades, lots of free agent acquisitions. Um, I think it's been kind of interesting to see what's been going on in the East. Of course, uh, the Boston Red Sox landed Adrian Gonzalez, solid, hard-hitting left-hander um, from the uh, San Diego Padres last week. And now this week landing Carl Crawford, another solid left-handed hitter um, with good speed around the bags. I think that they managed to put a lot of pressure on the New York Yankees, which is not something that many people can do. Um, and, and then, of course, you know the Yankees losing out on the, the coveted left-hander in Cliff Lee, the guy who uh, they were hoping to bring in and be that counteractive force to the left-handed hitting that Boston has brought on. Um, this is not looking like uh, not looking like that good of an off-season for the Yankees. Well, you know, they can't win it every year. 
even in the off season they can't win it every year. Uh, they still had a good off, a good enough off season last year that that it's not gonna matter too much. Uh, I'll, I'll say the Gonzalez trade is definitely more of an impact than Carl Crawford, and I like Carl Crawford, but I don't know if you can pay him the fact that he's been hurt the past few years twenty million dollars. When you think of twenty million dollars a year contracts, you think of base of the franchise. And he's just not that. He's a piece. He's a solid, solid piece. But I don't know if if that that deal will come back to haunt him, because in baseball, every dollar is guaranteed. Yeah, and I think I think it's important to note that um, the Boston Red Sox are not as profitable of a team as the New York Yankees. So when they are going out and they're making these big signings, where not only is it a, not only is it a twenty million dollar a year contract, it's for seven years. And sure, they have Nesson, just like the you know the uh, Yankees have their network. They the, the the Red Sox have their own network, but it's not nearly as profitable as uh, as as. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on what yes. the Yankees network? Is? Yeah, it's not nearly as profitable as the Yes Network. No, but then again, you know what is, and you know their market, while it's still huge, has not proven to be the cash cow that the New York Yankees have, and for crying out loud, the Yankees. Split their city with the with the Mets, so I, I I think it's interesting when you look at the financial aspects of this that they've locked Carl Crawford in for twenty million dollars over the course of seven years. Um, Adrian Gonzalez is definitely costing them a pretty penny. They're paying a lot of money to guys like JD Drew, and and uh, ultimately, uh, if you're the Red Sox, you you've got to be optimistic because you've got the core of a great team right now and you've got a lot of guys that you you feel confident that you can send to an all-star game but how much have you crippled yourself financially over the next seven years with signing these types of contracts it's it's, it's boston it's baseball it's to be expected uh the big boys uh, I, I don't think it'll be too much of a financial burden uh you always usually have some sort of lame duck contract on those big uh teams look at giambi the last year or two that he was with the yankees he didn't do anything uh, even Ortiz this past year with Boston really didn't show up, but they could still financially afford it or, or not take that big of a deal. If 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 it was a smaller team doing this, uh, say it was a Rangers signing Alex Rodriguez to the huge contract, yeah, there's going to be some stipulations. But Carl Crawford's still not an Alex Rodriguez. No, he's definitely not. He's definitely not A-Rod. But, you know, uh, obviously when you look at what's going on in free agency, I, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a team that has had a better offseason than the Philadelphia Phillies. And, of course, their offseason pretty much could be summed up with one acquisition, and that, of course, was the out-of-left-field news that came in this week that Cliff Lee was going to be returning to Philadelphia. This is kind of an interesting story to me because – Philadelphia was not the team that was offering him the most money. It was not the team that he could stay home and play for because he's, you know, playing for Texas before. Uh, and, and from what I understand, Cliff Lee actually initiated the talks with Philadelphia, not vice versa. He went to them and said, look, I want to come back and play for the Phillies. I'll play for X amount of money. What do you say? And of course, if you're the Phillies, how do you turn that down? You can't. Uh, I think this is actually a really good story 
Um, I, I know coming into this offseason, the reason why Seattle traded him was because he wanted to test the market. Uh, he tested the market. I don't know if he liked what he uh, saw partake and just decided to stick with the uh, whole idea of going somewhere that he was actually comfortable with. There, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And, and, and I love it, honestly. How many people in baseball or, or any sports do you play somewhere where, where you're comfortable and not just making the most money? Okay, so your 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 pitching rotation are fewer the Phillies. You got Roy Holiday, you've got Cliff Lee, you've got Roy Oswalt, you've got Cole Hamels. Um, it's pretty it's pretty impressive when you're saying Cole Hamels who, and you're talking about a pitching <laughs> lineup. But uh, the 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 uh, talk is being thrown around. Of course, I, I think a good way to describe this is this like the Miami Heat of uh, pitching units. But uh, they don't they don't suffer from the problems that you have with a team like the Heat because these guys never have to play together. Um, you've got you've got four of the you've got four of the best pitchers in the league. I, I I guess to be I guess to be fair, Cole Hamels would probably be a number two in just about any other team's rotation, and he's number four in the Phillies' rotation. So uh, that's that's uh, that's saying a lot, but. Um, you know, these guys never have to play against, play with each other. They don't have to build chemistry with each other. They go out there and they pitch on the nights they're supposed to pitch. And I can't think of a more perfect scenario if you're Charlie Manuel than having these four guys and knowing that, you know, you've got an offense that can score runs, but they don't even have to. No, they don't. And, and I think the best thing like that is in the beginning of this season, you usually see it where there's, you know, teams shorten up their four, four man, uh, rotations. You could probably run this entire team out with four year, four man rotations. And these guys are all known to pitch well and pitch long into innings. So it's, it, they're, they're not a really fragile pitching staff either. So, you know, you could, you, you could side, we, one of us could be pitching as the fifth starter. <laughs> And they'd still have a shot, even <laughs> even you, Pod, even you, and and they they'd still have a shot to go to the playoffs. You know, usually, usually right. you know, with those those playoff teams, you're sitting here, you're like, okay, who's the fifth starter? Who's going to be that last spot? Well, they already have their their even their playoff roster, all set up. Hey, you know what? Maybe maybe they are setting uh, themselves up for something like that because did you guys ever see that movie with Tony Danza? the garbage-picking, field-goal-kicking Philadelphia phenomenon where they just picked up some guy off of the street and made him play. Maybe that's what the Philadelphia Phillies are doing. They're just going to, like, have an open tryout for the fifth spot and, like, you can, you know, win a championship with the Phillies. What do you guys think? Maybe they get, uh, what, what was his name, Vincent? Uh... Papali. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Papali. They'll get uh, they'll get Vincent Papali to play. Uh... <laughs> I'm I'm actually liking this more and more as we talk about it. This is really you know with with this uh, world of reality sports and uh, reality TV and all this crap that's going on. Hey, reality sports, you know. Hey, why not? Probably so, bring them okay. extra revenue. So you've got all right. Let's let's take a look at this real quick because. You've got Joe Blanton and uh, what's what's Kendrick's name? Uh, Howie. Kyle Kendrick. Kyle Kendrick. Okay. You, you've got you've got you've got two other guys that you could really throw into that rotation. 
it, is, would it be crazy if this Philadelphia team decided to go, since you've got four aces, well, I should say three aces and another top starter, is it is it crazy to think that they could possibly go with like a six-man rotation and keep those pitchers fresh longer into the season and have them giving them a, you know giving them a chance to really throw their best stuff in the postseason? Would that be would that be crazy? I think it might be just because we always talk about momentum with pitching and getting into rhythm. Too many days off, you're you're going to get out of your funk and, and pitchers in baseball are one of the most superstitious groups of sports athletes out there that I, I think it would be an issue. Uh, I, I, like I mentioned, I could see them going to a four-man rotation before the six-man rotation. So, yes, you're a little crazy. Okay, fair enough. Hey, it, was just, it was just a wild idea. I figured I'd throw it out there. But you're, you're probably right. The, the, whole, uh, the whole loss of momentum would be, uh, would be, would be somewhat killer in that, uh, in that scenario. It, it's funny that we're talking about the AL East, like always, when it comes to uh, free agents acquisitions or trades. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a feel-good story that Cliff Lee went to the Phillies, but we're still talking about a Philadelphia team or a Philadelphia region. That's that's a bigger market. So I think the losers in this offseason, like every offseason for baseball free agent acquisitions, are, are your small market teams. As always. As always. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because we had two relatively small markets. And to, to call the Texas Rangers small market team is, is a little bit unfair. They're small market in baseball and huge market in football. It's not really making any sense to me either. But um, you had two relatively small markets play against the world, each other in the World Series. And they had the worst ratings that we've seen since 19 negative four. I don't even know. I don't even uh, maybe. 1896. Was it 1896? All right, I'll, I'll buy that. 1896. So well, I was I was so near 1900 minus four. So yes, because they had television then and ratings. Yes, 18 1896 19 negative four. Um, yeah. So we we see this we see this World Series with horrible ratings from small market teams, and I, I've heard a lot of folks tooting the horn that says that this is why the Yankees and the Red Sox are good for baseball because teams don't get ratings. Games don't get ratings without those players in, without those teams in there. So you want those teams in there. You want those teams competing because that's what gets baseball ratings. And I kind of contend the opposite of that is that when you see small market teams that can't generate ratings, why is that? And it's because they cannot keep their star players on their rosters and you get souped up super teams that win the offseason every year and in you know in Boston and New York and the, the rest of the major league baseball becomes practically unwatchable that's why the ratings are down yeah no definitely there uh, I'm a proponent uh, I think I've probably mentioned this before that they need to fix uh, major league baseball in this sense uh, look look at all these other sports especially the NFL where you can have a, a better parity which makes the league, which NFL, everyone knows the NFL is the end-all, be-all when it comes to money generation for revenues, for ratings. You know, year in and year out, they're the top organization. But the ma Major League Baseball, with, with the fact that there's only a, a select group of teams that can win it on a yearly ba or on a regular basis. So, yeah, you have the, you know, especially this year's teams where you have San Francisco and Texas come out of nowhere 
well, how are you supposed to generate fan interest from people who, you know, might be on the fringe when next year Texas doesn't matter, San Francisco doesn't matter. It, it's so tough to keep a, a winning culture. And, and as fans or as people in general, we kind of go up and down with, with our support if there's not a good product out there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think there's I think that there's a significant point to be made that it may in fact be too late for baseball. And the reason I say that is because right now baseball is being kept afloat, unfortunately, by the Yankees and by the Red Sox. Maybe you throw a, a, a Dodgers fan base in there that tends to you know to, to attract viewers, but uh, th- those those teams are keeping Major League Baseball afloat, and by instituting something like a salary cap, you're essentially cutting those teams off at the knees, which is what everybody wants. Let's not let's not let's not you know make any mistake in saying that everybody outside of those teams' fan bases wants to see them cut off at their knees. But the problem is that by cutting those teams off at the knees, you're cutting off sense. Major League Baseball as a whole. And uh, it's going to result in some very, very lean years across all of Major League Baseball until that parody comes into being. My rant is done. I I say we we put it into this podcast. Let's kill it. All right. Well, this has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send your suggestions on how we can improve the show and your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show, and make sure to catch us next week and check out the Weekly Rewind available on iTunes. Thanks for listening.